What's up, everyone? We're back for another episode of Locked On Bucks. Uh, one day after Milwaukee take a 1-0 lead over the Chicago Bulls, we're going to continue to break down that game. Have a look at some of the defensive numbers in relation to the shots that the Bulls were taking in this game. We're going to talk about Defensive Player of the Year. Marcus Smart won it. Uh, Drew Holiday wasn't really in the running, but that's very interesting to me. And we're also going to talk about Chris Middleton, who obviously had a down game in game one, and the people are upset about it, Justin. So we have to talk about Chris Middleton. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and after weekend playoff games as well. And also you can find my work over at ESPN alongside me from the Bucks Radio Network. And of course, this podcast, Justin Garcia. We thank you for making Lockdown Bucks your first listen or first watch of every single day as well, uh, particularly as this playoff run just gets started. We really appreciate it. And uh, speaking of the playoff run, just getting started, Justin, uh, back in the building for a playoff game, did it feel, did it bring back all the memories, did it feel as fun as what it looked for me, even though it may have been a bit of a different experience with what uh, sounded like a few Bulls fans in the building? Yeah, it, uh, it uh, like once once you walked in the arena and saw the usual like layout of T-shirts and whatever the giveaway was, and you could feel like, oh, man, this playoff game, like, all right. Uh, that that was the part that kind of felt a little bit like last year, but yeah, that, that was the bizarre thing was, I saw a few people pointed out like, oh, it seems like it's around 85-15, the crowd split for Bucks and Bulls. It was 60-40, maybe hmm. even closer to 50-50 because it was very quiet for the first two and a half quarters because there wasn't a whole lot to cheer for. But you could see smattering of red throughout the crowd. But in that third quarter, when the Bulls started to chip away, uh, it started to get pretty loud in there so it was a decent amount of bulls fans in the arena on sunday it was interesting i was talking to frank about this and and i was watching uh, on on league pass over here which gives you tnt and i think tnt is doing something wrong with the sound uh five forum always sounds pretty quiet and some people may say well when you've got a split crowd like that obviously it's going to make a little bit of a difference but I think there's something with the broadcast because I've been in Vice Forum plenty of times where it has been really, really, really loud. And then you watch a replay and it just sounds deathly quiet as well. So there's something going on with the TNT broadcast. I don't know quite what it is, but uh, ultimately the Bucks were able to pull this one out. And it was interesting because I did hear, and you know, you listen to different podcasts, you listen to different analysis of this game and this win and what it means going forward. And we spoke about it a little bit. I think. The Bulls, you should expect to shoot better than the low 30% from the field and the 18% from three. There's no doubt about that. But when you look at the best three players on either team, so for the Bulls, DeRozan, Vucevic, Levine had 60 points on 71 field goal attempts, which that's a lot of shooting and not a lot of scoring. But they actually outscored Giannis, Chris, and Drew Holiday as well. So it's interesting to look at it from that perspective and say, well, if you're a Bucks fan, 
you're surely going to expect more than 53 points from those three players. They've produced that all season long. And Chris Milton in particular, four for 13, clearly struggled to score. Uh, turnovers, very interesting. Some of those turnovers, I didn't know what was going on. Some of the passes that really all the Bucks players were trying to pull off were head-scratching to say the least. But a really, really slow start in game one for Chris. There's no no way around it. Yeah, and um, you know, with with the Chris component and the team overall, um, I, I I've heard and seen a few people having that same conversation of you know compare the Bucks three versus the Bulls three, and you you won't get another game like this if you're the Bucks. And even uh, Dave Kane, we were talking about this off the air as soon as the game wrapped up, and kind of the same thing. Like, well, you're not going to have very many games like this where you shoot this poorly in the playoffs. And, and maybe it's just the cynic, but we've seen enough of these runs in the postseason. <laughs> Bucks right. shot 32% from three last year. And that's what I kind of tried to say too. Of, no, I think we will, uh, that we've seen enough from these last three plus playoff years to know is kind of who this team is in the playoffs. And especially in game ones where uh, they were one in five in game ones the last couple of years. And I look back at some of the, the shooting performances, and, and they're really bad um, in those performances. The the ones where they've had better performances but still lost, where there, where there was less layoff. Last year in game one of the finals against the Suns, I think there was two days off in between the game in the bubble. Uh, between the Magic series and the Heat series, they shot pretty well in those games and still lost. There was one or two days off in between those. But you look back at uh, against Miami last year, it wasn't great. You had seven days off for the starters in a play yesterday or, or Sunday. You had eight days off. So, you know, we heard Drew Holiday say that afterwards, too. And I'm going to take him at his word that, hey, it was just the rust and the layoff. That was a big part of the issue with the offense. But we've also seen quite a few of these types of performances. So um, to me, I, I'm I'm really more curious, not so much with the offense and, oh, man, I, I hope they don't have this again. But the defense and how they continue to take those strides because that's why they won the championship last year. If you shoot 32% from three, you got to have a really good defense. And they had one of the best playoff defenses we've seen in the last decade or so. And that's why you believe that they can win the title again, because uh, to your point, I've said that, and I mean it more for the Bulls. Like, I, I don't think the Bulls are going to shoot 18%. Yeah. I think there's some room to move for there uh, right. for Chicago. But for the Bucks, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's not really that far below where they've been in previous playoff campaigns, clearly they don't like having long breaks. We've seen that uh, time and time again, uh, as you pointed to. And that's why I think when we were discussing game two, we were like, geez, I wish it was uh, just one day off. And then you get straight back into it rather than have this two-day layoff. Uh, but, Chris, you know, Chris is, uh, and everyone knows that listens to this podcast, know that obviously I, I'm a Chris Middleton guy. I think he doesn't get enough respect from the fans. And, and I always say this, when it comes to, controversial opinions or mostly when it comes to slander the it doesn't have to be a huge section of the fan base that feels this way it just has to be a few people that are that are overly noisy which is certainly the case on twitter if you see it it's certainly the case in our youtube comments where there's some just garbage to be honest where people are just like well you know here we go chris milton again i had someone tweeting that i've just been waiting for chris milton to show up in the playoffs here we are and i'm like dude go back one game all you have to do is go back one playoff game to game six of the finals and go through last playoff series and you'll see a bunch of games where he played well. So it's just crap. I, I just feel bad because I, I feel like this is a guy that what he did last year, he should have goodwill for the rest of his life 
with this fan base. And for some reason, he continues to be the guy that's constantly maligned. And he played bad yesterday. Like, I'm fine with saying that Chris Milton had a bad game because he did. He would know that and he would accept that as well. But this constant crap about Chris Milton being not good enough player, he, he can't play. I'm just like, just go back and watch last year and stop being stupid. I mean, I, I just, it makes me mad that, that it, just a lack of respect for a guy that's done a lot for the team. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, we'll never win. That you know, after right, last right. year, <laughs> after last year, if we're not past this after last year, then we're we're never going to get there. Um, and look, it, it's everybody jokes about the Chris Middleton cycle, um, but, but a lot of that is true. Where he's going to have this game, and maybe it's game two, and maybe it's game three, but at some point in this series, he's going to be the reason maybe not this series, but in this playoffs, he's going to be the reason why they win the game. And he's going to be the guy that's hitting shots down the stretch and maybe scoring 40 and, and looking like the best player on the team. So it's, you, you take the good with the bad because there's far more good than there is bad with, with Chris. All right. Let's talk about defensive player of the year. Uh, next was awarded today. But if you do think that Chris Milton is going to have a bounce back performance in game two, then maybe, you want to check out our friends over at Prize Picks, which is a daily fantasy option for NBA fans. You can try the award-winning app, Prize Picks, which is a daily fantasy made easy. Uh, you guys know I like it. I've been talking about it for a while here on the show. You pick two to five players and an over and under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. So uh, it can be points scored. If you want to get behind Chris Milton, you can do that. So it can be rebounds. It could be steals. And uh, we've got a pretty good deal for you guys as well. For a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all our listeners. Users get 50 bucks free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Lockdown fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA for 50 bucks free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point. So that's uh, PrizePix, daily fantasy made easy. And speaking of... Uh, numbers, favorites, all these things. Our friend over at Bet Online, you can check out the odds for this series. The Bucks are heavy, heavy, heavy favorites uh, to take out this series. It would have been interesting to see what happened if the Bucks did lose this game yesterday, but they didn't. Uh, also, NBA Finals MVP is something I've been uh, plugging for a while there. Devin Booker, the favorite, then Giannis, the second favorite, then Chris Paul is there as well. A lot of people are, are backing that it's going to be a Bucks and Suns NBA Finals. We'll see how that plays out, but Bet Online. We'll have you covered for everything in that regard. It's uh, your source for uh, betting stats, sports info. And it's not just basketball. You can get the MLB as the uh, Oakland Athletics up to a flying start in the Major League Baseball. So if you want to put money on the athletics for the World Series, you can do that at betonline.net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. That's BetOnline where the game starts. Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year, Justin. Uh, let's just cut straight to the chase. Uh, what was your reaction to this award being announced? Which, by the way, I actually didn't know it was happening today. It seemed to happen very no, quickly. No, I, I didn't. Yeah. It's, I'm glad they're not doing the awards night, by the way. I, don't, I didn't like that. But what was your reaction to this? I didn't know it was being announced today either, that I, I just saw a lot of Marcus Smart discourse on Twitter, and then I had to do more digging. Like, wait, did... Did they give it out and then see Marcus Smart has been named Defensive Player of the Year? Um, I guess I was surprised, but in hindsight, I shouldn't have been. I mean, the last couple of weeks when the conversation started taking place over Defensive Player of the Year, um, 
as the kind of like the conversation for the nerds of, yeah, talking about MVP is great, but actually we should focus on this because there's so <laughs> many options here. Um, I, I remember like hearing Marcus Smart being injected into that and just thinking like, I get it that Boston is, has been the best defense hands down, um, you know, basically the duration of the season. I, I get it, but that doesn't mean they have to have the guy that's defensive player of the year. So I, I never really understood it to begin with. And, and, you know, I was kind of telling you before we started recording as much as we all, and I've been guilty of it, rail on Rudy Gobert and, you know, even saying, look, if you give him a fourth defensive player of the year award, there's only two guys in the history of the league that have done that. So, you know, if people that weren't around in this era, if you go back, 30 years down the road and like, Oh, who was Rudy Gobert? He's one of three guys to ever win this. So he must be one of the greatest players of all time. I don't think that's the case, but still, I think you can make a, a much stronger case for Rudy Gobert to be defensive player of the year than Marcus smart. I mean, he's, he's a good defender. He's an above average defender. Drew holiday is better, you know, at, at that aspect of it. All right. I think Drew holiday is overall a better defender than Marcus smart. So to me, it's just a head scratcher. I, I should, I'll add this last thing. I'm all for them giving it to a guard and this opening the door for more perimeter players to get it and not just your big wings, but Marcus Smart isn't the guy. Yeah. To your point, if Rudy Gobert hadn't have won those awards, he probably would have won it, uh, which is, yeah. which is by the way, what we've discussed with Giannis and MVP and all those types of things as well. Like this is just whether you like it or not, this is the way they go. Uh, we talk about Giannis because this is locked on bucks, but I always use the LeBron example with MVP as well. I mean, he should have won it. I mean, there's so many years that he should have won it and he didn't win it and whatever. It, it's kind of crap the way that they do these awards, but uh, we understand that's that's how it goes. But I, I just, it's the only reason I don't like it. And and I don't care. Like, as you said, like Marcus Smart is a fine defender. There's, I'm not saying he's totally unworthy of the award, but it just doesn't sit 100% right with me that, He's going to be this historic figure as winning a defensive player of the year as a guard for the first time since Gary Payton. And it's like, well, he's not the best guard defender in the league. And no one thinks that he is. And so I think that if you look at defensive player of the year, it's about the regular season. And I should say this, that we had the discussion last week, is Drew Holiday going to be on an all defensive team now? There's been a fair few ballots leaked. And I think that there's a reasonable chance that Drew Holiday will end up on the second team. Uh, this year but he he hasn't defended to his peak level during the regular season so he there was you know i don't think he should have won defensive player of the year that's not the argument i'm making but he is a better defender than than marcus smart there's no doubt about that and there's different levels to the way drew holiday defends in the postseason as he does across 82 games in the regular season but i guess that's the part that just doesn't sit great with me that he is going to be this history making award winner and it's like eh, really i don't know and look if we're being honest um Giannis has been a better and more impactful individual defender than than marcus smart has been this year now the you know for the making the case of a guard to win it um i think you could say we're biased but i think we would all say i'll i'll take drew holiday in those spots over marcus smart by the numbers, Marcus Smart has had a better year defensively than Drew Holiday this year. It's not by a wide margin, but, um, you know, Giannis, for the mention that he was getting, is Drew Holiday just, he, he, he doesn't, you know, we see him at that level in the playoffs, but in the regular season, 
he just doesn't get the attention and 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 he had a down year for his standards as you pointed out so he's not going to be in that contention um but also the bucks defense has been bad so that mm-hmm. kind of takes Giannis out of the running where started to get some of that momentum for defensive player of the year and mvp but when you see a defense that's been in the middle of the league at best for yeah. most of the season that that just kind of takes you out of the picture so i i think for marcus smart it was maybe it was a movement too of Hey, we gotta we can't just keep giving this to centers and big wings like we got to give it to a guard at some point celtics defense has been incredible all season long and well i guess marcus smart is is the guy so far for that team so uh, by a combination of things, it just led to Marcus Smart this year. Yeah, that's right. And I, I do think the team element has to come into it a little bit. But when you look at the Celtics defense as a whole, I'm sure if you spoke to some Celtics fans, they would say Robert Williams is the most important defender. Yeah. You also look at his series like the one against Brooklyn and Jason Tatum's playing on Kevin Durant. So th- they have a number of uh, excellent defenders on that team, just as the Bucks did when Giannis won Defensive Player of the Year with Brook Lopez. And, uh, and Eric Bledsoe. I mean, Bledsoe. They, had, they had a number of uh, elite defenders on that team as well. So it's always difficult to read into that. Now, Drew Holiday did put on his Instagram story just the – it was basically the Shams Instagram yeah. post, and it was just Shams' tweet saying that Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year in a photo of Marcus Smart. Now, there was no congratulations. There was no angry face emoji. I don't know what it means. But it's just interesting. He's aware. He's aware of yeah. the fact that Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year, and he probably feels like he continues to be a little bit disrespected with what he's done on the floor. Now, that's not him saying that. I'm just speculating that maybe he feels that way. Um, yeah, and that's the best part about adding no caption at all. Is that's right. Leave it up, up to interpretation. interpretation. <laughs> right. I, I think there's a little bit of both to it. Of hey, congrats to Marcus Smart, and now yes. it, it is, this opens the door for more guards, but. Man, when am I going to start to get the attention I deserve? Yeah, I think that's probably part of it. And Drew Holiday spoke about this after uh, last year's NBA Finals when he was talking. I can't remember who he was talking to. It might have been JJ Redick or something like that. And he was doing the interview where he was saying that he thought it was really cool and he appreciated uh, the fact that defensive plays were being shown as highlights and everyone was talking about how good of a defender Drew Holiday is. And he's like, you know, a bit of respect for the defensive end. So I think there probably is some part of him that thinks about time that guards are getting some respect. He's probably just like, why hasn't it been me for the last six years while I've been doing this night in, night out? So uh, either way, I'm sure there will be uh, some Bucks fans that will be very angry about this. I don't think it's a huge deal. I just thought it was thought it was interesting uh, that this was the way this played out. Uh, we can talk some more defense in a little bit. Uh, and look, we know that the Bulls for most of the season have been missing some parts uh, from their lineup. But if you're missing parts from your car, then go to rockauto.com because with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and then wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket so save time and money 30 percent, 50 percent, even 100 percent more uh, that you would if you just go to a chain store so that's why you go to rockauto.com for the reliably low prices uh, go and explore their easy to use website today and find the solution for your auto parts needs go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. I would say three-point defense is something 
that if you're a Bucks fan, uh, you find yourself being frustrated about at times, despite the fact that we're four years into understanding the way the Bucks play defense. At times, you can ask yourself, well, why is there so many wide open threes going on? Yesterday was interesting because if you look at the points in the paint number, which is an area that the Bucks, you know, I think coming into the series, we figured we're going to dominate. Uh, they led that count 42 to 32. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a huge number for the Bucks. That's just about average. Uh, defensively, they were pretty good. And the Bulls were 16 for 36 from the field in the paint, which is obviously a really bad number, below 50%. The Bucks were 21 for 33. So when they got in there, they scored pretty well. Although we saw time and time again, that the Bulls were loading up in the paint, which is nothing new for the Bucks. They weren't able to capitalize on those threes, but I also thought the Bucks at times probably helped a little more than they needed to, probably aware of Vooch, aware of DeRozan and what those guys can do individually. But the Bulls shot 37 three-point uh, three attempts in this game. They were 28.8 on the season, which is worst in the league. Frank spoke about the three-point uh, rate, which is a more accurate number across the, the, the entire league, and they were very low in that area as well. The interesting thing for me, 19 of the 37 were wide open via NBA tracking data, and then another 14 were considered open, which means that 33 out of the 37 were with a defender at least four feet away, which is pretty good a, looks. It's, it's a pretty high percentage. Now, of course, Levine was two for 10. Uh, Vucevic so was two Vuce. for 10. Yeah. Caruso was one for five. So they didn't capitalize. But the point being, I think that there is still some tidying up that can happen on a defensive end, particularly around the three-point stuff, unless they just straight up believe that, look, we don't think you can beat us shooting the three. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's the the thing you would hope for if you're a Bucks fan of, well, you know, as, as you just gave the numbers, they take very low volume of threes. They had a pretty high percentage of those makes, but a lot of that was coming from Lonzo Ball and what he was creating for that team too, that he was there, I think it was 43% that he shot on the year before his injury. Um, so there, I'm sure there is a component to it of we just don't trust these guys. So we don't care if we help off and leave one of those shooters open, even if it's Vooch there. I mean, we know what the Bucks defense is. It's going to give up those spots where Vooch takes most of his threes from. So I, I think – you know, the two for 10 line, you know, I, I think Vooch is probably going to take eight to 11 threes a game in this series because that's what the Bucks are going to be willing to give him. And if you're the Bucks, I, I think your bet is we just don't think with the guys on the floor and, and with some of the spacing concerns that the Bulls have, we, we just don't think that they're ever going to connect on more than 30% of those threes. So we're fine with giving up those looks. You hope that's what it is because, you know, a second round matchup with, if it is the Brooklyn Nets with guys like Kyrie and Seth Curry and Kevin Durant, you can't give them those looks. And, and with Boston, it's the same thing that they have enough shooting. And if you make it to the conference finals, it's the same thing with a team like Miami. So hopefully it is just that. And I think that's the one thing you want to really keep an eye on in games two, three, and four. And, and hopefully it's only those games is, you know, how do the Bucks defend that line? And, does it look like it's a, a conscious, okay, we're just more focused on other areas that we're going to give uh -huh. up some of those looks? Or is this the Bulls finding things? Because if, if they're finding things, that's a problem you need to clean up before the second round. Yeah, no doubt. And it's interesting if you want to make a comparison to the first round series last year with Miami, uh, the lead guy, obviously with the heat, Jimmy Butler, different players defending him. And we saw a lot of Giannis actually on Jimmy in that first round series last year, but uh, a guy that likes to shoot in the mid-range, 
and was able to have absolutely no success uh, at all across the four games of that series. DeRozan started off slow. He said there's no chance in hell that he's going to shoot like that again. Uh, look, based on what we've seen this season, then maybe he's right. Although we spoke so much about the Bucks having game one struggles, we all remember the Raptors could never win a game one. Maybe DeMar DeRozan was the game one curse, uh, and uh, maybe he's just as bad in game ones as what the Bucks are. Everyone thought that he was destined to be a Milwaukee player at some point, so maybe that would have been the perfect fit. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, we we didn't see it a lot, but some of those possessions where we saw Giannis on Demar Derozan, it did. gave you some of those flashbacks yeah. to the Heat series where Jimmy just could not deal with the size of Giannis, and we saw it towards the end of the first half too, where there was a sequence in the, the second and third quarter where it seemed like it was like three straight possessions where DeMar just put up bad contested shots against Giannis. And I remember telling Ben Brust off the air as soon as we went to break too, like if DeMar wants to continue to challenge Giannis, I am more than fine with that based off these last few possessions. So, um, you know, that, it, that's, that's just another thing, like the, the defensive player of the year, like we've seen what Giannis is able to do against perimeter guys. And, as a rim protector and and not to reopen the conversation, but the, like some of those sequences, that was another thing of like, man, this, this guy, he, he can defend so many different positions where he's out there on the perimeter on point guards and he's picking up DeMar here and he's protecting the rim that um, I think we're going to see a little more of that as the series progresses. He's obviously not going to take the lion's share of the assignment on, on DeMar DeRozan, but those were the interesting possessions to watch of when Giannis got the switch onto him or just took him straight up and, he contained him pretty well. Yeah, I think it's a good point. There was one possession in particular that I remember that DeRozan had the ball. He sort of got to the free throw line area. Then he had to had to move the ball away and he actually yeah. couldn't get a shot off at all. But I, I think part of the decision-making process for Bud when he's deciding, well, can, uh, can I put Giannis or, or really do I need to put Giannis on DeRozan to win the series? Um, I think maybe not, but I do think if he's not in foul trouble, we may see some of that in the fourth quarter, which is a move we've seen Bud go to uh, in previous games. The one thing I wanted to bring up before we wrap it up, uh, well, foul trouble is part of the story of yesterday's game. And we discussed the end of game situation. Clearly, I think there's a lot of people for good reason that say, look, probably even with five fouls, when there's only a minute left, leave Giannis on the floor. I think that's probably what most people would have gone to. Uh, but the rotation in general, I did see some, and I think mostly it's just people leaning back on what they've said in the past, talking about the rotation and stuff. Uh, as we kind of pointed to on yesterday's game, uh, post-game show, he only played nine guys and Drew and Chris Middleton played 39 minutes. And Giannis, even though the fact that he was in that foul trouble, spent portions off the ground, still played 34. So if he wasn't in foul trouble, he would have played 40 minutes. So I do think the days of saying, come on, bud, play your players more, I don't think that that's an issue anymore. I think those days are gone. Yeah, um, I mean they've been gone for for two years now, That's right, and yeah. you know the the other good thing was uh, everybody that wanted it, you got your wish. Granted, it was because unfortunately <laughs> of an injury to George Hill, but we got to see quite a bit of Javon Carter because of that. Yeah, that's right. And then he played those nine minutes. So this is why I've been so big on the fact that I just don't think that it's a big deal, whether it's George Hill playing or Javon Carter, because the minutes are going to be so minimal. And we're going to see different lineups where Bud will, obviously Drew's going to play major minutes, but then he's happy to have uh, other guys handle the ball a little bit, mix and match lineups. And it's really just going to be some first half uh, relief that Javon Carter will play. And I don't think we'll see him a lot in the second half of the games, but we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But I think ultimately, uh, hopefully, 
moving forward, foul trouble isn't much of an issue. And and I saw a lot of people talking about the over-the-back foul, which, to be fair, in the moments, I was like, oh, boy, this does not look good. I think they're going to call an over-the-back foul. So I'm fine. There will be Bucks fans that will say, no, it was a foul on Patrick Williams. I could go either way on that. But then if you're going to complain about that foul as, as a Bulls fan, then please bring up the Caruso uh, what he wants it to call a hook, which is a play that happens 7,000 times in every single basketball game. So as long as you're willing to bring up both fouls, I will hear the arguments. Yeah, I, um, I- I'm i with you where I thought that was going to be called over the back, but it's, you know, could you make a case for it? Sure. What they called him, Patrick Williams, was a foul that, you know, he he was basically undercutting Giannis and didn't go for the rebound and just kept boxing him out as he went airborne. And, and that is a foul. I, I hate it when fans um, point to bad officiating and blame the officiating, but this was a very poorly officiated game for both sides, I thought, yesterday. So seeing that that one that could have really gone either way, it, 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 was, it was not a great day for officiating yesterday. No, it wasn't. And also, uh, there was the foul, the offensive foul, which I guess they called a push-off on Giannis on the jump shot, yeah. which was was not a push-off at all. It was just stronger, and DeRozan wanted to send himself flying. And the other one that was really weird for me was the offensive foul on Brook Lopez, where he actually split two defenders. So uh, it was like two separate defenders took half a charge each. I, 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 it was a very, very bizarre call that they called on, on Brook Lopez as well. So, yeah, that was... There was plenty of head scratches. I'm sure if you're a Bulls fan, you'll be able to point to to five calls that you thought were ridiculous as well, which is uh, which is all part of it. Like you said, I don't think it was the uh, best uh, game for officiating across this one. We've still got a day before game two, so we'll have another podcast tomorrow. We'll look ahead to game two and what we can expect uh, from that matchup uh, around the rest of the East. Justin, the Sixers look like they're cruising. Miami had an easy win in game one. Uh, I'm looking forward to game two between Celtics and Nets. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but uh, that would be uh, who the Bucks would play if they can wrap up this series. Yeah, it's really unfortunate, too, the injuries that have happened with uh, Toronto. Granted, Philadelphia looked great in the first half. Yeah. It was probably their best half of basketball on uh, Saturday. But the injuries certainly are a big story there as well. Um, I mean, if you wanted to put out a hot take, could, could you really lean into – are we sure that all four Eastern Conference first round series aren't going to end up being sweeps? Um, no, I'm not sure. But yeah, there's the really Nets... one you would point to at this point of well, this one might not. The Nets, uh, the Nets will get a win, a win, a solitary win. That'd be the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, but of course, we. Uh, I told you I don't predict sweeps, so. Bucks are going to take care of their business in game two here. The other series I can make predictions about. I've got no problem in doing that, but I am not predicting a sweep in Bucks Bulls. I refuse. Call me a coward, if you will, but I refuse to predict a sweep. Uh, like I said, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Justin, you just get yourself prepared for game two. Rest that voice. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up. We'll catch all you guys tomorrow for the podcast for Justin and myself. Take it easy. We'll speak to you guys then.